and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. So today I am joined with Marissa Morris, who is a spiritual, intuitive, clairvoyant channel and quantum Reiki master teacher. She is the creator and founder of Intuition, where she offers readings, healings, and teachings in mediumship, intuition, development, meditation, and Christ-centered New Age studies. Uh, She recently came out with a book called Attunement, Align with Your Source, Become Your Creator Self, and Manifest the Life You Love. Marissa, welcome to the Path Love and Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so I did get a chance to read um, your book. It was really interesting. I like the way that um, you put you put it together and the chapters kind of being different rooms. So we're going to eventually get into that. But what I learned about you was that it looks like some, some of your path was really ignited by a near-death experience that happened during an accident. So I was wondering if you'd like to maybe, I don't know if you'd like to start there or give our listeners yeah. a little background information about um, your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my my journey really did start actually when I, I found out after being in a codependent relationship for about seven years with the boy I fell in love with when I was 16. Um, I finally ended up with him out of high school um, and he was, he ended up becoming a drug addict. And so I kind of chased him around and tried to fix him and tried to make him love me and, and be with me and, and all that for, for like a good four or five years. And, um, I finally got away from that, that relationship and some chemical abuse, um, issues myself. It was one of those, if you can't beat him, join him type of things with him. And, um, when he passed away, that kind of started my journey into searching, for what was on the other side, because he wasn't Christian. I was Christian, but not like hardcore Christian. You know, I went to youth group growing up. I, we, we celebrate Christmas and Easter, you know, stuff like that. It was like, a we went to church maybe two, three times a year or something like that. And I never read a Bible, but, um, you know, it was more like, okay, I'm a Christian. You never went to church. I wonder if you went to heaven. So I kind of tried to you know, just kind of start searching around, but I was being very careful because I didn't want to read anything outside of the Bible because you're told don't read anything outside the Bible. Otherwise it's, it's evil or it's bad. So I I was searching kind of without searching. And, uh, one day a guy just walked up to me and handed me a uh, CD just out of the middle of nowhere. He goes, Hey, here, these are some really good, um, audio books. I wanted to give them to you. And I'm like, who is this guy? I, I swear he's an angel now looking back. And it was the power of now, and it was the secret. So I listened to the secret part of that, but I listened to all the power of now. Like I can't even count the amount of times I've listened. I listened to Eckhart Tolle's power of now, and I I loved it. And during that time, I was in such a deep depression that I, I couldn't even, I mean, I just couldn't even get out of bed in the morning. It was, I, I thought that I had killed Jason, that was his name, because I was his his enabler for so long. I just kept thinking, well, what if I wouldn't have, 
you know, taken that charge for him? Or what if I would have, um, you know, not done this or not done that or not paid for this for him? So it was just one of those like, what it could have, should I wish, I wish this, I wish that. And I, I killed somebody basically. So the guilt of feeling like I had taken someone's life was with me for about a, a good year, maybe 10 months to a year. So what happened was during that time, um, I stopped taking my seizure medication because I have uh, um, epilepsy, stopped taking my seizure medication kind of, I guess, as a self-destructive behavior. And I was driving home from the mall one night to meet my dad at church, um, coincidentally. And I kind of felt one of those seizures coming on, but I didn't stop. I got off the freeway and next thing I know, I'm floating above my car and looking down at my car and it was a brand new Mercedes. I was in the mortgage industry at the time. This is, um, I think 2008, I believe 2008. So I was in the mortgage industry making a ton of money and, and, um, floating above my car with a girl that looked just like me. And then there was an orb of light over to my left. And I was so mad. I was so mad. I was just like, she is an idiot. Marissa's a moron. I don't want to be her anymore. She won't listen to me. She doesn't know who you are. I was just like, I mean, it's, I, I can still remember how annoyed I was. It wasn't like angry, angry, but I would, I just remember throwing a temper tantrum pretty much. The girl standing next to me looked just like me. She was about three feet taller than me. She had like swirly green eyes and she had long blonde hair. And she just kind of placed her hand on my shoulder and she says, you have too much to do. You have to go back. And I was like, yeah, go back and what? help people lose their homes, like raise their interest rates, you know, get, get them, get them foreclosures. The market's going to crash. She's not going to have a job. This is going to happen again. Her dad's not going to talk to her. She's going to hate her life. She's going to try and kill herself. It was like, I was talking about myself as if I wasn't me. And as I turned, I still don't know what was behind me. If it was like the, you know, the light that everybody talks about. Um, I definitely didn't see the light. Um, but I did see the paramedics pulling me out of my car that, had flooded with the water from the fire hydrant. I saw myself in my black dress laying on the ground and I had just come from the Mac counter and they'd put all this crazy wild makeup on me. Um, and so I had like makeup dripping all down my face. So they thought I was drunk. So huh. they were throwing me in a cop car. So I, I saw them doing that and I think I went back. So I woke up in handcuffs <laughs> in a cop car, um, in front of a university. They, they thought I was a university, um, like a university student, like out drunk driving or something. And, um, so I started hitting my head up against the the window because I was, I've, I've, you know, when someone has a seizure, you don't handcuff them and stick them in the back of a car, you know? So I started freaking out and I think that probably hitting my head against the window really hard may have caused what I would consider a, a head injury afterwards. So I lost a lot of my memory. I couldn't remember anything for longer than like a couple minutes. Um, and then it changed over to, I couldn't remember anything from the past. And now I know I was going through kind of like an ascension process, which is kind of what I help clients with now, which is kind of what the book is about. But it's it was almost like this very speedy ascension process that I was going through. But I thought it was a head injury. I thought it was losing my memory. I thought it was nausea. I thought it was depression. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how um, me wondering who we are and why we're here and why I had to come back all started. So I, I'd say around that time, um, 
I thought I was insane. And then in 2009, I had another accident where there was no water, no fire hydrant. I knew the seizure was coming on. I was taking my medication. I pulled off the freeway and just kind of the car just kind of ran up on a curb and I woke up in the, in the hospital. But this time I wrote down everything that I remembered. Um, and I met the girl again, the orb wasn't there. Um, I watched myself almost kind of like at a 45 degree angle down, um, at myself being pulled out of the car, put in the ambulance. But I wrote down everything that I saw at the accident. And so probably like about a month later, my super, my super rational common sense now husband, then boyfriend says, you keep talking about these, these accidents and you keep talking about these dreams you had. Why don't you just pull up the police reports and see, you know, see, see if there's something on there that, you know, I don't, I don't remember exactly what he said. So I pulled him up and I, I still remember the feeling I got like where I just like almost fell over when I saw that the witnesses that I saw the night of the fire hydrant night and the witnesses that I saw that I wrote down the second accident were wearing exactly what I had written down that they were wearing. So I guess that was kind of like my first proof that there's something outside of us. I just right. didn't know what it was, but it was like, oh my gosh, there's something outside of us. This is so weird. We're not just our physical selves. And because I was kind of like a, you know, I need to see it to believe it. I was more into science. I was very much, I went to school for accounting. When I was younger, I wanted to be an attorney. So I'm very left-brained. I'm a very left-brained person. So I meet people that I haven't seen in 20 years and they're like, you're a spiritual counselor. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, but I think that it's, it's having some left brain in there, you know, helps me be able to relate to people a lot. And that's why I think setting up the the book, the way that I did in more of like a common sense way, rather than like the ethers and the, this and the, that, and you know, all the, the woo woo stuff that confuses people a lot, which is, kind of what happened to me when I started trying to read books. I was just like, this is too confusing. I don't understand anything. And then you just get frustrated and annoyed. And, and I'm, I'm sure you, I'm sure you can relate too. Yeah. And, you know, experiences like that, there's a part in the beginning of your book where you talk to the reader about how they can assess their spiritual development, you know, and you kind of go through these different stages and you talked about like stage one, the person could be the seeker or somewhat the closed skeptic where they're kind of researching and looking for truth outside of it. But until they can really become convinced or believe that spirit is real, um, stage one could be just a lifetime you know, mm-hmm. of, of searching and seeking and trying to, you know, find that information. And when I was going through, I'm like, okay, where am I in, in these stages? I'm like, yep, I've definitely been through stage one and <laughs> stage two, the spiritual enthusiast, which is like, everything's a sign. Uh, I love that one. That one is so awesome. It's like, oh, the wind blew. Right. It's, 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 it's blowing leaf. Uh, my guide, you know, people say the clock, it says 1114. That's a sign. I'm like 1114. That means nothing. And they're like, yes, it does. It means to take the job. I'm like, okay, you go with that. (laughs) Right. And then you talk about people moving into stage three, which would be more of the student, um, you know, where maybe they're seeking out more information on meditation, energy healing, Reiki, they're integrating some of those practices. Um, And then you also talk about stage four, which is the spirit spiritualist in search, um, which is kind of like the spiritual journey goes back to stage one all over again. And, Mm -hmm. 
you know, where it's kind of like, okay, it's like, you've had that experience and you can't take that away from you, but then you're on this quest to search even more. And then you become back to stage one where it's like that skeptic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is I watched so many people get stuck in three. I live in a, in a town where, um, I'm down the street from a, um, it's a huge yoga community. And so everybody's, it's kind of like the Sedona of, of California, you know, for those people that don't know Sedona, it's just a very spiritual, spiritual town. But so everyone's kind of either very spiritual here or very not. And, um, so here you see a lot of people who are very stuck in, well, while I was in phase two, I saw 1114 on the clock four times. So numbers are my thing and I'm going to stay with numbers and those are going to be my signs forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So they get books on numbers and that's great and that's wonderful. But then they miss out on the other signs that they're receiving. They're missing out on the song that keeps popping into their head because they have clairaudience or, um, you know, they, they miss out on the, the chills that they get, you know, because they can feel energy because they get really stuck on kind of one modality of connecting with the other side or receiving signs or, you know, however you want to put it. It's also when people join groups and, and they're the ones, they're kind of like my dad at the beginning, the closed-minded, my dad's the closed-minded Christian that was like, no, 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 don't tell me anything. Cause if you tell me one thing that's going to convince me that my beliefs are not true, then I'm going to fall out of stage two and nothing's going to be spirit. You know, I'm going to lose all my beliefs altogether. And I think that the world right now, we all need to push through three to go to four. You know, you said you wonder what you are. You're four. You're, you're willing to ask those questions. You're willing to break your entire paradigm and your belief system and go back to one and be a skeptic again, even though it's a frustrating stage, you know. Right. And uh, everyone wants to be in two because two is awesome. Two is like everything is spirit, <laughs> you know, but, um, but three, three is fun to be in, but yeah, I, I love the stages. Those, my first teacher taught me those four stages, but they weren't that I sat down to write down the stages that he taught me. And those came through channeled from my higher self. And when I got done writing that, I was like, Whoa, that is really cool. <laughs> I'm like, this has got to go in the book. So, so I'm really glad that they, um, that they had, they had that in there. So, yeah. And, and you talk in your book about the soul house and how there are seven rooms of this soul house. And that is really how the book is, um, broken up into these seven rooms, seven chapters. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what you consider to be the soul house? Yeah. Um, actually, well, the one thing that I guess people always say, what do you do? And I say, I don't know what I do. I motivate people. I get people excited. I teach them about their abilities, but I'd say my strongest is, is my, my curious nature. So I call myself a, an investigative clairvoyant, um, which is what I wanted my radio show to be. But they said, no, then everyone's going to be calling you to find their dog or their keys or, or whatever. So I said, okay, but I see stuff. And I started seeing almost like a little carousel in the middle of everybody's head. So if you can kind of imagine like those, um, what were they like tilt a whirl, um, the, the ride when you go to the fair and like you stick to the wall, it starts spinning yep. and you stick to the wall. Yeah. I, I kind of see the, the, the soul house almost like that, um, where it's just this thing kind of spinning in the middle of our head. And then there's a little bulb above it. And I believe that to be a layer of, of our higher self. I see everybody kind of in like nine layers and like multidimensionally. 
like when I call in the guides, I'll see Christ, I'll see Jesus, and then I'll see, you know, the man Jesus, and I see Yeshua. So I see all these different layers. So the soul house, rather than taking people through the different layers of themselves, which I believe a lot of Ascension coaches are doing, which is great, we're getting to know ourselves, I felt it was more important to teach people the different perspectives that they're seeing life from on that little tilt-a-whirl, you know, which Mm -hmm. window are you looking out of? Which ride are you on? Because if I'm looking at something from the first room, which is the physical perspective, I've got all my chakras there. I've got all the layers of my aura. I've got my connection to source above me. I've got everything that I need in room one because that's what our creator self designed it for, basically to be like a duplicate or, or a creation. It's like a movie theater. Go in there. You're in your little movie theater and you're living in this reality that was created for you by your creator self that's standing outside watching you in the soul house, bumping into walls like a little bumper car. <laughs> you go, ah, what's going on? You know, um, but then when people have their spiritual awakening and they realize that there's more than that, that first room, the one next to it's the emotional room. And that's where I kind of had my meltdown when I realized that I was more than my physical body, because then you kind of get pushed into that emotional room. And that emotional room is where we have shoved everything that we don't want to deal with. It's like, I, I used to kid around and say that, you know, I have a couple of family members that I married into that, I mean, all they talk about is food, weather, uh, the car, sports, you know, they keep it very, very, very non-emotional because there's those people that just like, they lose it. You get them a little tiny emotional. Do you know anybody like that? Where it's like, they just get a oh, little yeah. bit emotional and they're like, Rah! they freak out. And that's because their emotional room is filled with a bunch of stuff that they haven't dealt with from childhood all the way, all the way on. And when we get into spirituality, it all depends on that room, which plane or where we end up when we start tuning into spirit. So it's, it's very important that we clear kind of that space and, and the next room before we start tuning into, you know, I used to teach mediumship and I stopped because people thought the goal was to talk to a spirit and they'd be talking to like the grossest stuff. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, no, stop talking to that. And then, then they'd be like, but then I won't see orbs in my pictures anymore. Or I won't, cause they were in phase two. They wanted to still believe that there was something there, but they were talking to like you know, a, a dead guy that didn't do very good things when he was here and they're bringing that energy around their children and stuff like that. So I kind of stopped teaching mediumship because of that, but then started back up um, teaching it, but more in connecting with the creator self of the individual rather than the the little aspect of them within their own soul house, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I explained that right, but yep. yeah. <laughs> And then do you want to continue to go through yeah, just kind can, of the different yeah, layers? I, I was wondering if you wanted sure. me to go through there. So, yeah, so the third room would be what, what we would consider is who I met that night in the accident. The third room is, is I call it the mental body. Um, and the mental body is, is not to be confused with the intellectual mind. The intellectual mind, our subconscious mind. Um, I'm, I'm trained in lots of different um, subconscious reprogramming modalities. And I found, I was really actually disappointed when I found that it was only clearing room one. It wasn't clearing all the other rooms when I was doing this. Whereas I thought I was going up to like, you know, 
the light of all existence and I was, you know, clearing out everything, all of their ancestral stuff. But really what I was doing was just kind of unplugging stuff, little programs within their, their first room when, when reprogramming the subconscious mind. So the third room is more like, um, if anybody ever sees like, like a crowned Jesus in front of them or like, um, or they see a version of themselves. A lot of people see a version of themselves as kind of like a hologram standing in front of them with a crown on. They usually have a crown on I found, or like a little thing of flowers around their head or something, depending on which, which, um, you know, level of consciousness they're at, at that time when they're tuning into themselves. But that's, I call that kind of like our blueprint and that blueprint of who we are, I believe is like, if we were going to play a video game, um, I'd be like, okay, so I'm going to create this character called Marissa and I'm going to create like a perfect template of what I want her to become. And I'm going to put my mind or our spirit inside Marissa. And then about five feet in front of her, I'm going to put this perfect version of her that's going to stand there that she can kind of follow like an internal GPS system. The only problem is the second room and all of our emotions block us from that. So our higher self could be like, hey, over here, hello, uh, take that job, you know, and, and we're reading it as don't take that job. Last time you took a job, you got fired and you look like an idiot. Or, you know, our logical mind could be like, this doesn't compute. This is is not, nope, 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 nope. Can't, can't do this. Can't do that. Won't make enough money. Um, so it's really important to, to kind of either bypass the second room completely to go to the third room, which is what I teach in the book, how to just actually just go in and tune into what I call the divine mind. And also just because I'm one of those that doesn't believe that we should have to live through every single emotion that we've shoved in that room. It's, mm -hmm. I, I spent a good 12 years using chemicals to mask that room, mask myself from that room. And so when I started in my spiritual development, it was like, people call it a healing crisis, or I think they call it a healing crisis, um, where you just like, or the dark night of the soul, where you just lose your mind. I've mm -hmm. got this funny picture that somebody sent me one time on Facebook where it's like, you know, um, what people think spiritual awakening is. And it's this girl like levitating, meditating above a pond. And then it's like, <laughs> what, what, what spiritual uh, awakening really is. And it's like, like a girl with all her mascara, like dripping down her face, screaming, holding the side of her head, you know, like, like screaming, like she's losing her mind because that's how that's, that's usually how I meet people. <laughs> they're usually at that stage going, ah, you know, cause they're going crazy because what's happening is they're trying to tune into these other rooms by doing meditation, but they're either blocked by their second room. Um, they're maybe tuning into their third room, but their mind has so many beliefs in it about, you know, that being evil. So they're seeing their higher self um, show up as like a demon or with red eyes, or I used to see mine with red eyes. Um, and it used to freak me out. Um, so a lot of people, and that's still just within the confines of our mind. And then the fourth room would be the astral plane, which is where most people gravitate towards. And I see it as kind of being right above room, room one. And so we kind of go into the astral plane and a lot of people, a lot of kids exist solely in that room. I've found they're not grounded at all in room one. 
um, they're always in that room. And that's why they have imaginary friends and they have, you know, quote unquote, imaginary friends. And that's where our light bodies are. And that's where kind of what we would call, you know, like the different versions of heaven and, you know, heaven and hell and all the different, um, it's, it's, it's the matrix. Basically it's kind of like that movie, the matrix or whatever. There's all these different realities in there. And, um, it's, it's what we think it is basically. And a lot of people will think that that is the ultimate. They're like, I'm ascended. I've been Christed. I'm, I'm a Buddhic plane person, or, you know, like I'm completely enlightened and they're the most arrogant, egotistical person on the planet. You're like, smack, 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 wake up, (laughs) you know, and they're connecting with spirits that aren't that good, or they're connecting with things that are saying that they're, you know, Jesus, or they're saying that they're mother Mary, when really it's just a, a dead person, you know, projecting an image of one of those beings into their field. Um, and those are a lot of people that will go into business as mediums and as intuitives and stuff. And I think it's a very toxic room if we're not careful. So in the book, I wanted, I, I tried to make sure to bring it across to people that we need to get out of the soul house first, because that's our created reality get into our creator self. And then if we want to be a medium, then connect in with other souls or other beings, um, so that we're not, so that we're not shaded by our own, um, past lives. All of our past lives are in there. Um, oh gosh, I could go on and on and on about the fourth room, but there's, there's 56 planes within that fourth room. And within the third room, there's 12 within the second room, there's 12. And, um, within the fifth room, there's, seven planes. And that's the, that's like the God room. And, uh, that's where I see for me, when I go into my room, I always see, um, what's the lion's name from that, that movie, uh, is it Aslan? Aslan. Uh, it's, it's that movie. I can't remember what it's called. It's, uh, Oh gosh, people right now are like screaming it cause they know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> it's a big, huge lion. And I see that kind of as Christ the Holy spirit. It's our created version of God. That's in that, in that fifth room. And a lot of people think that we'll ultimately end up there when I, when I connect in like, um, my brother-in-law, I don't want to cry. So I won't talk about too much, but my brother-in-law just passed away, um, a week and a half ago and he was only 34. And so now I'm majorly on a mission (laughs) to, um, sorry, I'm going to cry now. It's okay. Okay. His name is Brian. And um, so he's been taking me through his soul house. And I, at his funeral, he was showing me, look, my violet flame is still there. It needs to be taken. It needs to be put out. I mean, he's giving me all this information about the other side and and, whatnot. and of course, you know me, I need to be right. My coffee cup says, Mrs. Always Right. <laughs> I've got these cups. My husband, I got Mr. Right. And then mine says, Mrs. Always Right. You know, I'm drinking out of it right now. But it's funny because I've I've just kind of went back into, I guess it would be what it be in back into the stage where I'm willing to ask those questions. They're going to totally either prove my book wrong, prove everything wrong, but so far so good. You know what he's, what he's shown me from the other side, but, um, it's, it's amazing to me what he's shown me about the fifth room. The fifth room is where I kind of thought in the book, Oh, that's where God is. That's where 
our God self is. So we are God in there. And, and had I known that at the time, you know, what I wrote was, was correct, but I like, I want to write a whole nother book (laughs) on, on just becoming that, that God self in that room, because that's where we become like a star in, in that room. He says, in that, he says in this room, he said, most people are either the North star or Cassiopeia or their, um, uh, who's the guy, um, I think of my, my stepdaughter, she goes, uh, you mean Huncules, uh, uh Hercules. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't you mean Huncules? Yeah. Um, Hercules, but we're also a star in that, in that room. And I'm learning a lot more about that. And me being the investigative clairvoyant, I'm like every day calling up my friends. Okay. You guys want to channel? Let's channel. Okay. Let's channel. Let's ask Brian more questions. <laughs> you know? So we've been asking him questions about stuff from the other side. And I believe that that was part of kind of his purpose, even though I'd way rather have him here with us. Um, so the fifth room is amazing. And then, um, the sixth room, and that's also where a lot of our guides are too. Um, the sixth room, all I see it as is a Taurus. You, you know what a Taurus is, right? What's the best way to describe a Taurus? Um, uh, electromagnetic field, um, looks like a little grid to me. If anyone's seen the movie, the matrix, um, it kind of just looks like, uh, all those numbers coming down on the screen. Um, the, the movie with, uh, Keanu Reeves, you know, yeah. where, mm-hmm. or, so to me, it just looks like a computer program and I can go into that room when I'm doing healings on people and ask to see the root source of the code of their Lyme's disease. And then I can go in and I can pull in the opposite energy and cancel it out into a zero and their Lyme's disease will go away or all their symptoms of it will go away. I mean, not every single time, but you know, it's happened several times and then same with cancers and stuff like that. So that's when I teach people how to heal. I usually teach them how to get into that room and kind of manipulate the, the codes within people that create us into who we are. So if you can kind of imagine you are your creator self, so you're like this person that has personality, you're an individualized piece of God, um, and you go, okay, I'm going to build this house and I'm going to take a little piece of my heart and that's light. And I'm going to shine it through into that house. And then I'm going to take my brain like a movie reel, you know, and I'm going to kind of shine that light through my brain to create a being that's going to go into that sixth room. So it's kind of like a programmed avatar, like a video game, um, programmed avatar, um, that's in our soul house, but it gets programmed in that room. We get, I don't see archangels as people on horses with swords and shields. I see them as like lightning bolts, So I'll see as say, you know, you have, um, Ariel, like as you pass through that room, I see you kind of like food coloring, kind of being dropped into your essence of that angel. And so then as you pass into the the fifth room, then you're your God self, but you're tinted with a little bit of angelic DNA. And that kind of comes from that sixth room. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we have, um, we just have different coding or, or say, um, you have Andromeda, you have a little, uh, a drop of Andromeda in there. And so you're going to have all the consciousness within you from Andromeda and Andromeda to me, it seems like a creative reality within but we, me and um, my dad just finished writing my second book. We call it the big house and the little house or the big doll house and the little doll house. And Andromeda to, to me is part of the big doll house. 
And then as dolls, we've created another dollhouse within that dollhouse. And that would be like the astral plane. But, but, um, we get tinted with different star systems with, so some people will say, Oh, I'm a Pleiadian or I'm an Arcturian. They may be, or they may just be programmed with the consciousness from that, that planet or star system, because it carries the certain knowledge that they need that if we never leave the first room, we never get past that emotional room of where we see demons, but that are really our emotions. Um, then we never really get to tune into that amazing, you know, other star systems and cosmic consciousness and and all of that that we can find in that in that sixth room. It's also where the zero point is, um, which I talk about in the book a lot, and I attune people to the zero point so they can use it as a means to heal themselves and. Um, do lots of fun stuff with the, with the, um, with the zero point. Um, the seventh room is just to me, pure light. I took, I'm certified in theta healing. Um, I took a lot of classes in theta healing to try and heal myself so I could get pregnant. And, um, in that they teach about the different planes of consciousness. And I was always so annoyed because I never felt like I was really at the creator. I felt like I was like at like a created creator or a fake creator or something like that. I'm always such a skeptic. So I told my, what I call guides, but it's really just my creator self and other beings outside of my soul house. I told them, okay, guys, I need a way to know 100% for sure that I am in my heart space and I am in a place where I can you know, command my subconscious mind to do things. And I'm not at risk of being, you know, in the lower astral plane where I'm being tricked by beings and I'm going to ruin my life. I had so much fear in the beginning and they said, Oh, easy. Um, go into this seventh room where you're pure light, where you're just awareness. I call it the GoPro video camera, um, where we're just, we're just awareness, go into that seventh room. And then go into the creation room and the creation room, everybody has it. It's right above our head in our crown chakra. And it's a room basically with a, with a window right in front of us. And I've, when I tell people about it, they go, Oh my gosh, I've seen that room. It's crazy. Um, but there's a window right in front of us and a little door to the right. And when that door opens, it leads out to basically out to source or out into space, basically, which, um, is a way to, it's a technique that I teach people how to get rid of, say, earthbound spirits or energies or entities that are in their field. There's a little drain in the floor, um, which I very recently learned was the cisterna magna. There's no way in the world I could have known that word. <laughs> so I looked it up and I, I was like, oh my gosh, the cisterna magna is the hole at the bottom of our skull that connects to our spine. Um, it, you know, right there at our, at the top of our spine, I was like, oh my gosh, we're in the center of our head in the creation room. Like, whereas I see it as we're above our head. So I thought that was really, really interesting. So in the creation room, all the exercises that I teach, because I also have a little app that I launched where I have a bunch of meditations and stuff like that. I'll tell people to flush down their emotions down that drain, um, or to zero out their, their emotions or to call forward anything that's in their field in that creation room. So I wanted to put the creation room at the very beginning of the book so that people could get into that, do all the exercises from the heart, 
because it took me forever to get into the heart. And I'm sure you've heard that all the time. People are always like, get into the heart, get into the heart that you hear that a lot in the, um, in, in the spiritual world. Um, and I was always like, I can't get into my freaking heart. <laughs> I'm not in my heart. I know it. I'm in my mind thinking that I'm in my heart. Um, so the, the exercises that I put in the book are like surefire ways to know that you are in your heart space. You are your, your consciousness, your, your awareness. And, um, from there we can create anything we can, you know, we really can, we really can. We can say, I I want a million dollars right now. And if we really honestly didn't have any beliefs in any of the other rooms in our house that were blocking us, like a million dollars would appear in front of us. Kind of like that movie, the matrix where he starts dodging bullets and stuff. I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't been able to materialize a million dollars in front of me, but (laughs) (laughs) me either. I know. Right. But I materialized. Hey house. Uh, my dad and I went, you know, let's try this. Let's pull Hay House into, I have an exercise called the snow globe. Let's pull Hay House into the snow globe and see what happens. And the next day, um, my agent, Bill Gladstone talked to Patty Gift over at Hay House. And she goes, Hey, you know, that girl that you were telling us about, uh, we want to meet with her. And, but he hadn't talked to her forever about us. So, um, got me to where I am right now. Um, which is good enough for me. Yeah. And when you talk about the snow globe, I'll let our listeners know that that's also an exercise that you offer and teach people to do. Um, and another one that I just wanted to talk about, one of the exercises that you have in the book, it's actually in the God room chapter. It's aligning your thought spot and God spot. And I don't know if it was actually in this chapter or in a few of the other ones when you're talking about that uh, point of zero, but mm-hmm. you also mentioned the pineal gland. That there's mm-hmm. a way to be able to get, you know, when you're kind of aligning with this energy to be able to clear the pineal gland. I know you mentioned something where you're not using drugs or anything like that to do it, but this is a yeah. natural way to get to that point and how people can really have these um, miraculous moments of that feeling and sensation. So can you talk yeah. a little bit about the pineal gland and what you mean by connecting the thought spot, the God spot and actually accessing that in the brain? Absolutely. Yes. I, that's my favorite subject in the whole book. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I was so happy that they, that they let me keep it in there because I had written it and it was so complicated on the way I wrote it. And the, the editors at Hay House were so amazing and kind of simplifying my, my, my 80 pages down to something that was a little bit more understandable because the way I see it is I don't see people as people. Like if I was to look at you, I'd see you and then I would see you're human in a little snow globe, maybe kind of down in the, like a little elevator. Yours is up like near your throat. So that means you've ascended up to like, say your, your fifth level, which is pretty high. Um, and I call that the, the God spot. And then the, then we are a thought spot, which is where our soul always is that programmed piece of us. And, and the way I see it is we just continue living these lives, playing this quote unquote game, um, learning things and growing and expanding and each lifetime, say my daughter, like, you know, they talk about the rainbow kids and stuff. They come in and their spot is already up in, in their near their pineal gland up, up in the middle of their head. So they're not down in the, the yucky, uh, trenches of the emotional and mental body down below our rib cage, you know, down in those lower chakra areas. Um, so in that exercise, I teach people how to bring, their spot where they're viewing life from 
up to where their soul is and merge those two together in a very, very simple way. And it works. It works. The pineal gland, I honestly, I don't read and because uh, I don't want to like regurgitate people's stuff. I wish I could read because I'd sound more educated. I tell people, I say, I'm like Columbus. I'm like, I found land. And it's like, you know, really the native Americans were like, like already here. And they'd probably, they'd already mapped out the entire, like, you know, land and everything. And I feel like I'm discovering something new and really, you know, Greg Braden's already talking about it or Joe Dispenza or, you know, somebody, some other amazing author already talks about it. But um, with, for me, the pineal gland to me seems like the center of that ride that I was talking about. It's like a little stick that, um, connects to the little, the little ball above that tilt a whirl ride. And I feel like what happens is the stick between our consciousness that we send down into our soul house, that's supposed to be sending, like, imagine like a little, I just kind of imagine like a little speaker, like a Bluetooth speaker kind of playing frequencies and like do this and do that and blah, 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 kind of sending it down through this, the pineal gland into the little stick so that it becomes a part of our reality in that, in that ride there's ways where it gets calcified. And, and I don't know if I fully believe all the stuff that a lot of my friends will be like GMOs. And, you know, they'll talk about like, um, all the different reasons why the pineal gland gets calcified. I, I think honestly, that, that the reason why we can't see is because a lot of people would be absolutely insane if they didn't see, you know, I think there would be a lot more schizophrenic people. I think there would be a lot more people that were extremely just really honestly full-fledged crazy because the fact that we are not an enlightened society and that we don't know really the difference between the ego, the emotional body and our spirit yet. But as, as the world is being elevated by all these amazing teachers coming out and teaching us all this stuff, if we can decalcify this, the pineal gland and make this connection between that consciousness and us, then that becomes our eyes as opposed to our eyeballs. I was nursing my son, gosh, this is like three months ago. He's, he's eight months now. So at six months, he was like, eh, I don't want to nurse anymore. I'm too good for that. But so it must've been about three or four months ago. I'm nursing him and I'm sitting there looking at him and I'm going like, hmm, I wonder if I can tune into your higher self. Um, I try not to tune into my kid's energy because I don't want to get my emotions in their field. Um, but it's kind of almost impossible since their, their vibrations are so high. But I hear, hey, mom, look at how I see the world. And it was crazy because he took me into his higher self. And all of a sudden I was standing above both of us looking down this tube of light it was going straight down through his occiput, straight through the pineal gland, which then kind of became like a movie screen almost. And I was looking through a lens and I could see like my face, like, you know, like, you know, looking through the lens at him. And um, he says, I don't use my eyeballs yet. And I thought, that's interesting. And I haven't done any research on it. In fact, I totally forgot about that until just now. But it was interesting because it was basically like a little upside down periscope from from, you know, like the submarines use. But it was the real self or the creator self out there looking down through him, through the pineal gland, viewing life through that. And then, you know, as we grow up, the world programs us and that shuts down pineal gland kind of loses its purpose 
and we start using our eyeballs to view, to view life. But I always tell people, so technically, I guess we're standing upside down and flipped because our eyeballs see flipped and upside down because they're like mirrors, I guess. <laughs> Somebody was talking about, yeah, there, isn't that true where we see like, yeah, we see flipped right. and mm-hmm. upside down. So technically we're all standing on the ceiling right now. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, it kind of puts into perspective, you know, that we just, um, we are real, but we're not real. That's the initial name of the book was called, I don't feel real is, is what it was called. And then, and then we switched it over to attunement about three weeks before it was done. So, and a part in that, there was a part in your book too, where you are talking about the pineal gland and you, and you kind of mentioned about, um, you know, maybe some people that try to access that by taking, you know, hallucinogens and that that's really not the God way to get there. So, I, and that those probably aren't the words exactly. I'm kind of paraphrasing yeah, I, the way that I yeah. interpreted that, but, yeah. um, what, what's your thought on that or, or what are you like, um, do you feel like that that's not the best way, even though like hallucinogens and stuff like that have been used in so many different cultures and, yeah, so, and totally. so many spiritual ceremonies and actually allow people to witness and have that experience that they are more than themselves as opposed to, yeah. I, I don't know. I like think DMT that that might be... and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I've, I have um, the only, the only one that I, I personally have experienced clients that have come in to see me was, was um, ayahuasca. And, and I think that there's some people that have had amazing experiences with that. Uh, They call it like plant medicine. I think some people have had amazing experiences if there was somebody that can hold the space where they pull that person out of their soul house, you know, into their creator self. And I think that there are, um, you know, professionals that can do that. Um, but there was like a string of maybe 40 or 50 people that, were coming in to see me, um, for a while where they would just have these fake higher selves. Their life was falling apart. You know, their husbands were becoming alcoholics all of a sudden after not drinking for 10 years, or they were starting to do drugs. And it was because what happened was, and it wasn't necessarily the ayahuasca or the drug. It was the pulling them into pulling them into that second room. You know, it, you're pulling them out of that first room, giving, them an experience in one of the other rooms, showing them, look, there's other realities, kind of like my, my out-of-body experience. But then I think it's just kind of like the lack of maybe follow-up or, or coaching afterwards to kind of continue to see it without having to use that as a means to, um, I don't, I mean, I did drugs for X amount of years, so I can't say don't do that, you know, because I don't know what's right and what's wrong. But for me, I always tell people if they go, if I, should I do this? I go, you know what? Get into your heart space, pull it into your heart. If you expand, your heart's not going to lie. Make sure you're in your heart. You're in your creator self. You're in your creator room. Everything's all clear, all of your perceptions. And if you feel that you're expanded with, you know, the idea of, doing plant medicine to expand your consciousness or your awareness, then, you know, do it. And I've never had anybody have themselves expand from, from that after that, because once you can get into that state that this book 
is hopefully getting people into. You don't need that. In fact, I had a lady write to me the other day and she posted on my Facebook and she goes, I've never done drugs, but I swear to God, I'm on drugs right now. She's like, my coffee cup is talking to me because I have that exercise in the book about talking to your hairdryer mm-hmm. um, right. where yeah. I want to teach people, you know, that, that a spirit guides aren't people. We're not people. We're just energy, but we're inside people. So we want to see a spirit guide or an angel. We want to see it as a man with wings or a fairy, like a little girl with wings or whatever. So we personify things. So, so she says her, her coffee cup was saying, I'm tired you use me too much. <laughs> she said she heard that coming from, from her cup when she was sitting at work. So she goes to take a picture of it and post it on my wall. And she says, she heard it go, Oh, yay. Now I'm going to be famous. And I'm like, Oh, great. I'm creating a bunch of schizophrenic people. <laughs> 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 but, but, um, I believe honestly that, that everybody, we come in like Parker, my son, you know, he's in a state right now where he can see, he is spirit. He can see, he can experience everything. And it's just, I believe emotions are what kill. Emotions are the root of all disease. Emotions are the root of unprocessed emotions are the root of everything. And that's why the snow globe is so good because it gives people that are not clairvoyant or have any abilities, the ability to actually see their energy and see if they have stuff in their field just by imagining that they're a snow globe. In fact, that's an entire book that I wrote, which is how I ended up over it. Hey, Austin, my second book is actually the the snow globe. So it's like a whole book dedicated to, to the snow globe. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, my opinion is I always tell people, I used to say, don't do it. Don't do the, don't do the drugs. But now it's more of like a, everyone has their own experience. Um, I'm not going to be a control freak, um, spiritual counselor, but in my experience, people have ended up with weird attachments and stuff. And I think that, that I came to the conclusion that it's all based off of who is leading you through, Mm -hmm. through that. And, and who's holding the, who's holding the space the same as like my classes. I make sure to hold space so that everybody's in a clear creation room, like a created creation room. So when we're doing meditations, people don't leave drained because somebody else is plugging into them, taking their energy or, you know, transferring energy when we're online meditating together with 200 people, you know? Right. So, so yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I know we really only touched upon a very small portion of your book attunement, but you do have a great website called discover intuition. You have your own radio show on Hay house radio. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So why don't you let the listeners know a little bit about what they can find, um, through discover Um, You know, I would definitely recommend to go and read uh, the book Attunement to get a little more uh, background and knowledge on the exercises that Marissa was talking about that you can do to have this connection, finding your God spot and your thought spot. Um, So that's what the book is going to be really helpful for. But yeah, let people know what they can find over at your website. My website, well, first of all, the book, um, and I have, I mean, we can, you can go on to my Facebook page and I'm still trying to make that transition from my personal one to my business one that I think kind of everybody goes through, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh no, I'm in my limit. Now I need to switch over to the business one. Oh, it's like, it's very hard, but, um, I, I try to post on both pages. I try to remember, but people are posting as they're opening their book and just by ordering the book, I've noticed that people's 
conscious awareness gets taken into their little GoPro video camera. So they, they just by ordering it with that intention, they become their awareness. It's like, whoa. So I've been kind of watching as a case study, you know, as people are ordering this. And then I've been having people post first pictures and now they're doing videos as they're opening up the book. And then underneath it, all right, oh my gosh, I just saw your energy get unzipped. You got out of your etheric body. You jumped into your mental body. Your mental body ascended up three, three layers. Um, your pineal gland opened up, you know, it's like your third eye opened and you're standing on top of your head. So it's, it's interesting, but everybody's completely different. So I've, I've got the book attuned for each density. And I know that we didn't go into densities, but for, for all eight densities of, of, you know, where we could be in our, in our spiritual development, I have a different templated book. That's basically attuned kind of like, you know, when they touch it, the frequency of it, it's going to bring them into alignment with themselves. And then in the the book, there's an exercise where they actually write their name in like, I am my awareness, I'm my higher self. And then they sign it. It's page 31. So if you do nothing else, order the book and go in and sign page 31 because 31 it's a three-day exercise but we found that as soon as you sign the book and this was at my book signing as soon as the book is signed all this crazy cool stuff starts happening to people (laughs) it was like I saw one of the girls turn into Vega and I was like what is Vega and we looked it up and it's a star um so so yeah page 31 is is the first attunement um, in the book. And it's actually you attuning yourself to yourself. Um, but sorry to get off track, but yeah, so I've got a new website. It's marissamorris.com, but discoverintuition.com will lead you to it. I've got a new app we just launched yesterday, which is awesome. It's got bite-sized snippets. It's called tuned in, uh, the address for it. It'll be on my website, but it's tuned in.vhx.tv. I'm sure by the time this airs, we'll have a domain name for it. But we've got like two-minute meditations, three-minute, five-minute, 10-minute, 20-minute, 30-minute, 45-minute, an hour. And then we've got little lessons, um, attune, actual attunements, um, connect with your loved one on the other side, um, anywhere from mediumship to full-blown ascension um, to just, you know, clearing off your husband's negative energy before he gets home from work, you know, so everyone doesn't get all crazy when he gets home. Um, or, or wife, I need to be fair, <laughs> you know, but, um, but yeah, so, so my website, you get, if you order my book, then you go to marissamorris.com and you click on, um, more information right at the top and you can type in your receipt number and you get my audio book that was published called the snow globe. You get a skeptic's guide to the universe, which talks about, um, de- developing your intuition, connecting with your higher self. And then you also get, um, a skeptic's guide to your spiritual credit score, which is so much fun. Um, I'm not even sure if the credit score got left in this book. I think it's in the the second one. I'm combining them now, but the spiritual credit score is a lot of fun. Neat. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah I, I'm so you on here for free. Yeah. I see you're tuned in uh, VHX TV thing. That is really cool. Very neat. It's so fun. It's so fun. I've had so much fun because I don't watch myself. And when I watch myself, I'm like, dang, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. I said that word. I don't even know what that means. I'm sitting here like looking stuff up because I I think we didn't mention that I'm a trance channel. 
that right. we didn't mention that at the beginning of it. No, we didn't. Yeah, I'm I'm full blown trance. So I'm out, and if I'm not with someone, and I they, the Hay House learned that the other day, they gave me Facebook Hay House Live. <laughs> I woke up and I was like Tom Cruise in Risky Business, you know, when he's <laughs> sliding through. I was like, I'm in Hay House, <laughs> sliding around. I got locked into Hay House. Nobody knew I was back there, and I was like channeling for like two hours on Hay House Live. <laughs> I'm supposed wow. to be on there for like 15 minutes, but I was in trance and I didn't have a battery or anybody there with me to snap me out of it. So all of a sudden I like wake up and I'm like, where am I? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm on Hay House Live. <laughs> <laughs> so I walk out, I'm like, oh my God, I'm here alone. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm in Hay House, like sliding around. <laughs> then I was like, oh no, I'm in Hay House. I got to get out of here. So luckily I found an emergency exit door that had one of those like latch releases. <laughs> I got out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of funny, yeah. but, uh, my guides were probably laughing really hard at me at, at that moment in time. <laughs> well, Marissa, thank you so much for being a guest on uh, the path 11 podcast. You have great energy. I really enjoyed the book. Um, I am really looking forward personally to doing some of the attunements myself. And, um, I practice a little bit of the thought and God spot, but more as I was reading it, but I'm going to really take that more into like a deeper meditation to really feel it. And, uh, you've given me a lot of tools just through your book alone. So I'm excited to venture out a little bit more into your own radio show and uh, looking at all these great things that you have. So thank you so much again for being on our show. Yeah, you're welcome. And there is a God spot, thought spot exercise in tuned in that I actually lead everybody through it. And today I'm actually recording similar exercises to the book before until we can get the real ones produced. But I have very similar ones um, that are going to be in the app that people can kind of follow along instead of reading. Okay, step one, get into this. Okay, step two, it's kind of hard to meditate when you're trying to read, you know, (laughs) so so I'm going to put those exercises into into videos actually doing that today and going to put those into the app. So yeah, and it's it's free for the first three or five days and then it's it's very affordable it's only 25 bucks so anyways thank you so 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 much it was so, so much fun talking to you if you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time. Catch you next time.